Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome to the podcast. business in five days and got a real paying customer on the fifth day all right guys we are on day number five of our online business launch challenge i know how much effort you've been putting in already i know it all comes down to this we are launching our online business that we've been doing here showing you as well as you're launching yours i'm so excited about this guys right we've collapsed pretty much something that people never do or sit to take the time to actually do into a short five-day period to get your online business launched. I'm so excited to show you guys this, okay? Now, couple things. Number one, what you want to do right now is make sure you tune in till the next video because there will be a day number six where we're going to be reviewing our stats of our launch and showing you everything that, that all the sales that we made as well as next steps of scaling your business. So what you want to do right now is head down below, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell, okay? Very important you do that because you do not want to miss day number six. Now, while you're down there, drop a comment down below on today's video we're giving a special $300 away to one lucky commenter on today's video so just drop a comment if you don't want to say say my my empire starts now share with something you learned right that's going to get you entered into win now guys without further ado i'm going to stop talking and we're going to go over to the shoulder right now for day number five of actually prepping your business making sure everything looks good to go and then most importantly actually getting your business scheduled to actually have some influencer shout outs going and making your first sales i'm so excited for this guys let's go over the shoulder right now All right, guys, day number five of our online business challenge to get your business launched by day number five and get real paying customers. The culmination of all our hard work and and your hard work for following along here all comes down to this day. And trust me, we're feeling nervous, even though we literally do this pretty much every single day, launching different online businesses. There's nothing like launching one completely from scratch. Uh, We still get the the butterflies in our stomach. Uh, So... Right now, uh, you should already have pretty much a fully functioning funnel, uh, and you should have already started reaching out with your influencers and potentially scheduling those out. We're going to be showing you uh, in today's video touch-ups to the funnel to make because there's a couple things that we actually made some mistakes on or glossed over um, before you actually want to launch the actual funnel. So there's a couple things that we're going to go over uh, and touch up items to make sure the funnel is fully functional and it's it's proper to actually have traffic driven to it, uh, and then after that, it's a about scheduling out the actual posts to go out by their influencers. We're going to be sharing kind of our best practices. We actually have a couple already scheduled and we're going to show you the full conversations we had with the uh, with the influencers, how we negotiated the price and literally all of that. So 
let's get right into it guys so we have a little bit of a list of touch-ups that that we 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 had to do so the very first one uh is anchor points okay now we'll go back to the actual sheet so we can show everyone kind of like the little bit of a list now these things are easily overlooked even by us we made a couple mistakes here here and there um but that's why it's always good to go through test your funnel you know always have you know triple check everything before you start driving traffic to it um you know you, you put so much effort into something like this you want to make sure that you're really doing your due diligence not just like throwing something out so first thing that we did is anchor points okay so the anchor points are the buttons on the pages um, so Ali can kind of go over the the anchor points here right so uh, essentially what an anchor point is is basically you are linking this button to a section on the page and not some other page and that's very easy to do so to set an anchor point all you have to do is go to the section that you want to be the anchor point we want everybody to click the add to cart button to go to our opt-in section mm -hmm. so all we got to do is find so previously on potential on your template that you're down we're going to give you this full template by the way at the end that's already done on our business but while yours is being done uh those add to cart buttons went right to the checkout page right you don't want that you want that to scroll down to the bottom of the page uh right here to the uh to the opt-in form yes so we're just going to click on block and we're going to make sure that this button is checked and we are going to name it something so we've named it email area right so that's good so do that and then what you want to do is go to the button right this is the button that we want to do we want to click edit we want to click open on link and we want to make sure that it opens you go to the funnel and then if you make sure that it's checked to this it will go down. Yeah, so, so you see how it says anchor point and click email area and then click select. Select and then. And you want to do that for your other buttons. So as let's, well. let's go ahead and do that. Edit. So ours are already set, but we're going to just reset mm -hmm. them again. And you want to do that for each one, guys. So you may, they make sure you get capture email address. Not a huge deal if you miss it, but you're going to be missing out on those email addresses. Uh, and that's kind of not, you know, that's a, that's a big part so of this. So then we're just going to make sure that we click save. Now we're gonna go and test it, mm -hmm. right? So we go, click here, add to cart, and then you scrolls see, down scrolls nicely, down. nicely to the page. Now we're gonna go ahead, add to cart, scrolls down, perfect. Test this one, scrolls down, perfect. Perfect. So next on the uh, next on the touch up list, one big thing uh, that we messed up in our in our copy is uh, we uh, we were calling it puts, uh, not putts. So we went through in our copy and we changed uh, all the copy from P-U-T-S to P-U-T-T-S. Uh, small little, you know, uh, easily overlooked there. So that was one thing that we also changed, uh, heading back over to the touch-ups. We added some testimonial images needed. Uh, so we, you know, on the main page, guys, we added in some stock images. We didn't use any names. We, we were able to repurpose some of the supplier uh, uh, testimonials, uh, but the names were kind of, you know, they didn't, you know, they were like blurred out and stuff. So we didn't add any names or anything like that. Uh, but we just grabbed some stock photos of golfers putting, um, tried, you know, most of them tried that, like holding a putter or, or actually putting. I'm putting those in here. We just got those off of pexels.com. You just go uh, and, and type in, you know, golfer or whatever your, your niche is. I always like to have like a face to it, but you, it's, you know, it's totally up to you. I think it adds a little bit of credibility. So, uh, so we added that. So let me show you how to just get it in a circle. Okay. It's very easy. All you do is go on Canva, pick, uh, pick this Instagram post. So I did that, right? And then you go again over here on mm -hmm. frame. So if you go fr type in frame, sorry, go to elements first and then type in. Mm -hmm. Just like you were showing yesterday on day number four, we are creating the ads. So you have the circle mm -hmm. one with like sort of this blue background. So if you were to put 
this in here you can just make it big right and then yep drag then, the image in there and then drag the image in there yep. and, so and then just save it it's a nice circle and then you can save it and add it so nice and easy there uh, clean up item um, alright guys so now we're gonna go ahead and show you how to change the page name it's extremely simple all mm -hmm. you gotta do is go to your website and this is important guys to do this just so you don't have this generic page name like you know true-stroke.com slash funnel just you know like, you know make it name it your product or you know a benefit of your of your product or, or whatever it is so Ali's gonna show you how to do it just go to funnels uh, you click um, so, so you click here there's gonna be an option menu so you go funnels uh, no, no right now we're changing the page name and then we'll change the page okay name, all right so we click this go to show settings and then over here you'll see the page name make it your product page so that uh, product name so that's the best one change the page name itself and then change the SEO information too mm -hmm. right then you want to actually change the link so you go to funnel settings and that SEO setting is kind of important like if you share this like on Facebook or whatever so it doesn't just say hey like your funnel template like it'll actually say like your business name go to your domain click edit and then change the funnel URL when you change the funnel URL this is what you can put here. You can put the main benefit in or you can put the product. So in ours there. is, you know, sync-more-putts. Right. So we've already saved it, so we Perfect. don't need to, but make sure you save it. And, and that will be the link that you obviously provide. You see true-stroke.com slash sync-more-putts. That'll be the link that you provide your influencers who puts it in their bio, in their stories as well. Next is order bump copy. Uh, we did not put it in uh, completely correctly. So all you have to do is just touch this up. When we were testing, we are like, oh, you know, easy, easy overlooked mistake. All right, so just go over to your checkout page, uh, click the order form and click products. And then just select your order bump and edit. And then right from here, you can add it. So we just did, you know, one time offer for, for the headline. We added a bump, uh, you know, bump title uh, that says, what does that say? True Stroke Swing Trainer. And this was a big one, guys. So previously, uh, uh, this was kind of a, you know, definitely an overlook on, on my part. When I was originally putting the offer together, I thought that they were going to, it was a, a flat golf ball training that we were going to be able to, it was gold. I thought it was a gold one, but it turned out it wasn't. And it was just a gold golf ball, which I was like, ah, that doesn't make sense. Like, why? would a you know somebody that's buying something to train putting want just like a random novelty gold golf ball it just made no sense so on that supplier we ended up using that swing trainer that sh uh, that i showed you guys that somebody it was like an l bar it was basically the same price i think it was like uh just about a dollar same price as the gold uh as uh, same price as the gold golf ball so we kept the price the same we just changed that oto product and that's why the oto product is so easy to change out there's no image there's no page it's literally what yeah. this yeah. like this these two sentences we kept the price all the same um so just note that you know sometimes you know things like this you're, you're often overlooked and it's yeah. it's important to you know go through it because you know that order bump wouldn't have worked a random golf yeah. ball but we were able to make a you know a quick change on it and add a swing uh, and add a swing trainer uh into the mix absolutely so and that's how we you know you can kind of run through uh uh if you want to show them how it looks like on the on the live page now yeah. so um we're just going to close this uh we're just going to hit refresh we're going to just go ahead click this button we're just going to opt in uh, you don't need uh you know your actual information you can just really quickly put anything in Click next step and then you can see it's and uh, you can see it. yeah so when they click that obviously one time offer so when you click it you see that the price over here over here changes increases yep, yep exactly awesome 
So the next is the uh, product name changes. Yeah. So, uh, well, when we were just building out the funnel, just putting in the images, we had generic product names in there, but then, you know, once the copy came in, we had to change the product name to what we had put in the copy. So this, this is now the product name, True Stroke Flat Golf Ball. So the way to do it is extremely easy. Go to your website, go to store, go here to store products. <laughs> Go here to the one, two, four, six, eight. So you can just go in and you can just change the product. And you're name just changing right the here. name. That's yeah. it. Again, you're just, yeah, again, this was just something we, we, when Ali and I were putting in the store products, you're just, just putting whatever in there. But once you have your copywriting done, go back and just, you know, make it look a little bit nicer. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, next what we did is we re, uh, added in all the rest of the, the copy on your upsell pages. The nice thing with, uh, with store funnels is that when you're in here, just go ahead and click the first, uh, first one. Um, you can cycle through the pages. You don't have to keep clicking funnel. You can click this little arrow that uh, I was clicking right there and you can kind of cycle through your pages. So go ahead and just cycle through the whole funnel. And you can see the flow. We just copied in and added in all of our uh, all of our copy and made it look nice. And you can just kind of go through each one. There's the downsell page, um, upsell number two. And then the uh, and then the downsell page, and then they finally you know hit the uh, hit the final you know thank you page. Uh, here's also where we added in. Um, so no, we do have another mistake. See right there, the copy wasn't uh, changed right there. So you'll want to uh, just you know put in your uh, your business information or your uh, your for your order information. So we just say thank you, and you see, you know, even this is why it's important to always triple check these things. We also added in our uh, our information products right here. So go ahead and you know uh, click those, Ali, you know, and, and just show them what we did. We just grabbed the image from Canva, added those, um, you know, very you know very nice simple images. This is just the cover page that we designed the other day. Uh, so those will be there, and then when you click here, it takes you to a Google Drive file uh, with. The, the particular product. No. So this is what we, we showed you how to create them and this is what the final uh, info products looks like. Very simple and very you know high perceived value definitely. Let's click this one as well. And then here you go. And that's the and that's the second one. Just that easy, right? Free bonuses that they get to help them, you know, with the with their putting. Absolutely. All right, next. So the next thing we did was actually run through the funnel and test it with a live payment. So what I recommend you do is you can either go to all of your store products um, and you could show this Ali, you know, and you guys already know this since you added it in is you could change all your products in your funnel to $1 uh, and you can, you know, go through and test the actual funnel, make sure the payments are connected properly, make sure your Stripe account is set up properly, your PayPal account is set up properly and you're actually getting those payments uh, in the door. So what we did here, we just went to edit um, and just did a, you know, went in, bought one, you know, for a dollar, you know, this, we bought one golf ball, payment that went through fine. Uh, we had uh, purchased one of the upsells, made the, uh, made sure the yeses were working right. And then if they said no, that those were sending them to the, to the next page in the funnel. So we just tested that out. So I do recommend doing that before it goes live to make sure you're actually collecting uh, your, your payments. And, you know, make sure your thank you email is coming in, make sure your upsell, downsell flow is in the right order. And then when you're going through the funnel, just have a 
a look as a buyer to just make sure everything is in the right place and you haven't missed anything. A lot of the touch-ups we added was because we actually went through the live funnel and we uh, we discovered there are some things that need to be redone and we, we did those. Mm-hmm. And you'll always find your orders when you go under the store here and then to your order page, that's where you're gonna be able to find all your customer information. So if you click that, that's obviously just a test on ours. It'll show shipping details, billing details, payment information, how much they spent, all the products. So, you know, it's very good for, for you know, obviously order management tool as well and then you can always mark them as shipped here as well um, when you actually start shipping out the products so so all you have to do is I'm just gonna zoom out go to yep. actions and then you can mark a ship completed not paid however you want to do yep. it perfect all right, guys, so the next thing we want to do is just verify that all the emails are set up correctly. So we're going to actually go through this live. So you're probably seeing on here, it says your email marketing automation campaigns are limited. So all you have to do is click increase limits right here and then just set to the first subscriber account uh, and just click upgrade your account right from there. Now, once that's done, you that error is going to be removed. You can head over to your uh, uh, automations from here. And in your abandoned cart emails, uh, you're going to have images of your actual, um, you know, products. So we want to make sure that those images are actually linked correctly. All right, guys. So once you're on your automation section right here is we want to just go through each email and just make sure that they're linking back to your funnel uh, so people can complete the order. That's the abandoned cart emails. That's the magic here, right? Because a lot of people are going to opt into your page, but they're not actually going to complete the order itself. So what we do is we're going to just quickly go through each email uh, when that comes up click edit email and you already have all this loaded in there so this image when Ali clicks you could see it doesn't go anywhere and the image is always you know of course there's CTAs in the actual email but it's good to also add your link on the image like some people do you know they're gonna open email and just want to click the image itself and you can see it's not going anywhere here so click select the link funnel select the funnel so this one's challenge funnel template funnel step we're just going to send them to back to the opt-in page so they can you know reiterate all the features benefits of the product same tab and click select and we're just going to go through each uh, and don't forget always you know make sure you're you're, you're saving that as well um, so you have all your changes saved and we're just going to go through each email right now and just verify that that is all set correctly all right, guys, I hope you're enjoying day number five of our online business launch challenge right now. We're going to quickly flash our last video giveaway winner right there. If that is you, email peter at ecommerceempirebuilders.com. And don't forget, if you want to win $300 to your PayPal account completely for free, just drop a comment down below under today's video. It's going to get you entered into win. And while you're down there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. It lets us know that you enjoy this sort of content and you want us to produce more content just like this. But let's get back into today's challenge video. Um, cool. And also guys, you know, it is helpful to also click these uh, emails and then just send a test email to yourself to make sure you're actually getting them, that there are no issues with your actual, you know, uh, you know, you know, service. So it's always good to go test those and then make sure it's all formatted nicely and, and correctly as well. All right, guys. So we're now we're just going to quickly show you how to make sure your funnel actually look good on mobile, desktop, tablet, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so just, you know, simply head back over to your uh, funnel. 
Um, store phones makes it super easy to kind of see how they all look. Oftentimes, it'll already look pretty good, um, but you know, you kind of always want to go above and beyond if you're just doing influencers because that's, uh, you know, like all of that traffic is going to be coming from uh, from mobile. All right, so now we're going to show you just some best practices to make it look really nice on mobile as well. Um, so if it, you know, we're usually designing the funnel on desktop and then we're going to head over to the mobile section right here. Um, and let's say that it just doesn't look good. So you, all these elements, all these blocks, you can have individual ones for mobile, desktop, tablet, whatever. So what you can do here is actually just do a copy here and just select an actual container. So kind of alley walk, walk through the, how to actually create a, another block easily. Yes. So um, when you hover over this, so if you hover over this over desktop view, you're not going to be able to hide or show stuff, right? Because the desktop is where you prepare the main funnel. And then when you move to the tablet view or you move to the mobile view, you see those options on the left you side, can, you have more yeah, options that are then, available. Yeah. Then the optimization options show up. That's what I like to call them, right? So you go to block. You click copy, right? And then, and then over you saw here, that little thing kind over of here up. is where all of the things that you've copied get stored here. So you don't have to copy and paste one by one. You can just copy a bunch of elements and then paste it together. Which Super is helpful tool. You can you can then re reference this anywhere in store funnels, pretty right. much on your store, on your funnel, all the different pages, all that. So then I can just grab this container and drop it down here, right? Yeah. And then I can kind of, if I wanted the mobile view to be a little bit bigger, I could just mm -hmm. Go ahead and then make it 22, right? Or I could just go ahead and just for the sake of this example, make it 36, right? Mm -hmm. If I wanted it to be this big, mm -hmm. right? And right now, this is only showing on mobile, right? Or I could have it show it on mobile and tablet or mobile, tablet, and desktop, mm -hmm. right? But for now, I'm fine, right? This, If I click this, it's completely hidden, mm -hmm. right? So all of these options are available. For us, we've already gone ahead and mobile optimized it. So we really don't need this section. So I'll show you how to delete it, mm -hmm. right? So you go on block. Um, and, and these are block settings, by the way. So you can do a lot, of, a lot of optimizations there as well. And I can just go ahead and delete it. Click yes, and it's been deleted. And then I just go ahead and make sure it's saved. All right, guys, now that the funnel is pretty much touched up, ready to go, it's tested, it's taken payments, all right, we're ready to make some sales. Now we're gonna be going over the ads again uh, because we wanted to change some stuff up. Uh, we completely forgot that a lot of these times when you do influencer posts, they'll not only do a post for you, but they'll also do a story, right? They'll be on a story. So we had to go and create some ads for actual stories, which also led us to change up some of the stuff to make it stand out a little bit more. Um, and not to mention that we both forgot that swipe ups don't really exist anymore. So there was a couple things that we just wanna fill you in on right now when you're creating these advertisements that you're then gonna send over to the influencer. Cause again, even though we do this every single day, we'll forget something. That's what's fun about doing this live and you guys seeing this, like these are normal things that come up in business. Absolutely. And now we're like, okay, well, you know, we wanted to share all this and be as transparent as possible with how this, uh, how we launch this business. So go ahead and show kind of the new ads that, that we've created. So this was the old ad and we, you know, we, we were happy with it, but mm -hmm. we, we decided to to just touch it up a little bit more so when you're creating story ads all you have to do is take the video ad right and just delete the the text right so what I'm gonna, just gonna do I'm just gonna delete this text I'm gonna delete it on all of the um, all of the pages right because I just want the video no text right now I'm just gonna download this video, right? Once you download the video, you go to Canva, okay? You create a design and you take an Instagram story, 
Mm -hmm. Or you can always type that in up at the top. Just type in Instagram. So all these templates that's, and Canva's awesome. Right. Like for this, like all these templates are already done and it's, it's, it's free, uh, it, which is just so nice. So I'm just going to go to the downloaded video, right? I have a bunch of them. So let me just find hey, the, uh, let me just find the one that, that I downloaded what it does sound like or you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to actually go ahead and download it because I just want to show them how to create the full. Mm -hmm. So what he's doing here, guys, if you're not saying is he to remove the text and now we're just downloading that same video with the background, that green, um, and he's just downloading that right from canvas. So that's going to, you know, maybe take a couple minutes to actually download. Uh, so we'll you know, cut to that. All right, so once that da is downloaded, head over back to obviously the Canva, the Instagram story that we're creating, and then just upload that specific video there, which we already have done, and then just drag it in here. Now we're just gonna format it to actually look good on a uh, story. So you can see Ali just kind of stretched it out a little bit, uh, a little bit here. And then we're going to be able to just make it, you know, pop a little bit more because you want it to still, you know, story is quick. So, you you know, we're keeping the same video. Um, you know, if we had more time on this challenge, we could really, you know, you know, make some crazy edits here. But, you know, for what you're probably going to have for, you know, the design skills I even have, this is good enough to uh, to, to kind of get somebody's attention. So kind of share, you know, how you're uh, how you're adding the text on that. And so I want the background to be consistent with the background over here. So I'm just going to go here, take the background. Uh, get the color code, right? Copy it, go to the story, go to the background over here and paste the same color code so that the background is consistent mm -hmm. throughout, right? It doesn't look yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't look it, but it, this is the mm -hmm. way you just copy the color code because even if the colors aren't reproduced the same, the end video, the colors will oh, be the same. Thank you. Learn right? something new. So let's go to the story that I actually put together, which is the final story. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what, all we did was we put, um, you know, a little emoticon here and then we put sink more putts in. So the, the headline. Sorry about that. That's our first shout out's going to go live. So a uh, little heading sink more putts in with the true flat golf ball. And then we put the offer in and then we left a big chunk over here because the influencer is actually going to put the link right there. So let's, let me, let me show you what the final uh, product looks like. So this is what that final product looks mm -hmm. like. So even if it isn't consistent on Canva, it will be consistent on the final mm -hmm. because yeah, you, you can't, you can see it. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, we created a, a story. We also changed up the one video ad. If you wanna want to share, we kind of added uh, the the flames more like a uh, like a fun image instead of just like a plain um, you know a, a plain uh, you know just flame. So you can see the kind of so how'd you get those? Uh, so all I went was I went on elements. I picked fire, <laughs> and then there's there's all of these different elements, and yeah. they're free. So I just put something. Yeah, in. and you said it just stands out a little bit, gets somebody's attention a little bit more than it was if it was just like the flat flame, right? It just kind of catches your attention a little bit more. Uh, so we just made those look a little bit more. Save that. So now we have the stories, we have some images, uh, and then the videos for this challenge. We're mostly likely since this is a very strong piece of creative. Um, we're only really going to use those two things: the the story as well as this video creative that, that we've put together. Um, cool, so that pretty much covers, would you say, everything that we've changed from the ads? Absolutely. Cool, now we're gonna go in. So yesterday we started reaching out to all those influencers, right? And while we were finishing up the, uh, the, the stuff for the funnel, um, we, uh, you know, we started having conversations with them. So let's kind of, uh, kind of uh, reset. Let's kind of go back to the start because I know we negotiated here. There might be a couple things uh, to, uh, to kind of go through with people and how, you, uh, how those conversations flowed. And how we decided, because we have about $130 left, 
which uh, you know which ones we were going to go with. Awesome. So you guys already know this is the uh, 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 the template that we were sending out. So this is a uh, page that got back to us, and they said that their rate was thirty dollars for a story and a hundred for a feed post and a real post. So for those of you who don't know, story post is just um, a sort of like a highlight section that Instagram has, which is just a story. A feed post is actually a piece of content that lives on the page itself, and a reel is uh, a viral style video that they have. So these were the different rates that they sent us. And obviously we couldn't afford that, you know, because that would be our $130 would be gone right, right pretty much right here. Right, so, uh, you know, we, we I did tell him we have a feed post that we'd like to promote but our max is about 50 and i wanted to see if i could you know negotiate with him and get a discount on on a on a feed post with this page and uh they wanted to see it so we sent the ad creative uh, and then they unfortunately said they couldn't post it for uh you know 100 and uh, this is the reason why a lot of times these pages have you know put their blood, sweat, and tears to growing their page. And if they promote a product, a lot of times they lose followers because there are some people who are just there for content and not ads. Mm -hmm. So they need to be, um, uh, they need to be um, kind of compensated for that, right? So that's why this guy was not dropping his quote for a feed post. And so they said that they could post this on their story for $20. Essentially, he asked for 30, but he wanted to do business with us. So he said $20. And I said, and he said he couldn't do it on uh, for 50 on a feed, which is fine. Then I, we asked for their story stats. And this is their stats, which were quite impressive. You know, uh, the total accounts reached in the in the last seven days was about 1.1 million, right? Which is, which is uh, you know, impressive. We're looking for a more US-based audience, which this has. So always ask mm. when you're trying to negotiate and when you've kind of, when you're trying to narrow down a page, always ask for their demographics and make Ask sure for the insights. These screenshots specifically, I ask for these insights. They can go from their back end and get this if you come here and then they're like i don't know like random like third world countries like they ain't gonna buy your product yeah, like yeah. right so but here you could see like golf very big in the united states uk canada australia right those are some big ones and that's pretty much whole, their whole you know uh, where they're at and then this is the most important one right here so the, the demographics and where their most active times are so they he's given it to me in days and you know that's fine as well Typically, you want hour screenshots. I'll send you. I'll show you a screenshot of the hours as well. And so, uh, but what does that mean? So the hours means what time of, what day, time of day they're the most engaging. That's yeah. the key, right? Ali's literally talking to this this person as we speak right now about uh, about the uh, about the shoutouts. Um, but uh, so you know, what what was our uh, you know kind of conclusion with them? Right. So then, uh, before deciding on whether or not I wanted to do stories with this person, I wanted to see what their story engagement looked like. So this is what their stories look like, and they're getting about ten thousand views per story that they're doing in the last fourteen days, and that kind of gave me uh, the confidence to sort of move forward with them. Obviously, Peter was looking through everything with me, uh, and he was looking at it from a, a more customer point of view and deciding whether or not these pages were worth our time and. Mm -hmm investment and this definitely looked like one of them and the good part about this page is was he was advising me on what the best time is uh you know really giving me those insights a lot of pages won't do that but this person was really helping me and then they also said that um they would do a high engagement story right before our 
post just so that they could get a lot more people. They want that repeat business, guys. They this is how these kind of generic meme pages work, and it seems like he likes us. We're having a good conversation back and forth, so they can see like we're normal and we could have like a business relationship with them. Because if they make you money, what what does that mean? Well, that means that we're gonna come back the next day and the next week and continue to give them money. That's that's kind of that reoccurring income for the influencer as well. Right. So they said we'll do it 12 p.m. Eastern, which it is right now. So we're gonna see how the actual live story looks and um, we're gonna see so you know we we did send him the payment that's the proof we sent him the story we included the swipe up which wasn't good so we then changed it up and sent him um, the actual story as well without any swipe up and you guys can pause to read the conversation mm-hmm. as I scroll through it and then we send him the final one and then um, I asked him if there's any other pages that he knows that he works with so I can get a referral from him and if it's a good page then we he, he could actually give us a deal um, he, he recommended a page as well and now it's going to go up so let's look at the story <laughs> So if we visit the link, we're just going to test it out ourselves. Goes yep, to the page. Is. So these pages, this will stay up now for 24 hours. Uh, stay tuned, guys. Um, obviously, we have launched the business, which is fantastic. But you're going to want to stay tuned for tomorrow's special bonus video. We're going to be able to see what were our actual results. And then also information on scaling this, right? What's the details on actually being able to continue to scale and grow this kind of business from scratch? So we've worked with a couple other influencers. They have not posted yet by any means but we've also worked with a couple different ones if you want to kind of share you know what what our our total budget was so he was twenty dollars for us and so um, this, this is another page so what i was doing was stories I, take a little bit more time guys as well if you just do a story i'm sorry to cut you off ali sorry. but they do like a post will reach more people a little bit faster than a, a than a story so really you know don't get discouraged you know immediately when a story isn't posted and not you know you're not having buyers immediately it's a little it takes a little bit more time Right. So what you want to do is you want to go to your page and you want to filter by engagement and you want to work with people that have, you know, more so the top engagement. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've actually been talking to these all these three um, uh, pages that will, you know, be do shout outs for us and negotiated rates with them. So this is this page is charging us 20 for a story and this page is actually charging us 30 for a post plus story plus a link in bio. So I'm going to show you the conversation that I had with this particular mm-hmm. page. So we're at about $100 in shout outs right now. We're about 50. 50. Okay, yeah, we didn't pay for that other 50. We didn't, one. Okay. We didn't have, we at that paid. point if they promote us that'll be 100 and we still have some money to to spare to spare. Right. So this is what I sent paid promo request again templated. They said 50 with a post and story with a swipe up. I immediately went and negotiated down to 30. Always negotiate. Yeah, always. There's always room. And so uh they said yeah, sure depending on what the ad is. So we sent the ad and we said that we'd pay them with PayPal and they said yes, we could run it tomorrow. So that's great. Um and then I want the times for engagement he sent me that he sent me his uh, you know uh, more so his his breakdown of of what looks of what's getting the most virality and it looks like videos and reels which is why we're heavily relying on videos because that's the feedback that we're getting from these pages right and uh, they he's gone ahead and sent me the top cities uh, I actually wanted to know the top countries and so that's what he sent it mm-hmm. to me and this looks like our target demographic again so this looks good and we already know that the engagement uh, is good on this page because we verified it with social break so uh, then we went ahead we, we made the payment we sent the post now this is how you want to send a post to a page okay you want to send a post all right then you want to send the caption 
Okay, then you want to send the link in bio. Always like separate it up, make it easy so that there are no mistakes on the page side for posting, right? Make it very easy. Then you want to send the story, right? And then you want to send the story link again. So everything broken down very easy, right? And then awesome, we'll post in an hour or so, which is yeah. great. So that's pretty much how we're going to be driving traffic. Okay. So what we're going to be doing is finding a couple other influencers to work with so we can really maximize, you know, our $130 remaining budget that we actually have here. Like I said, just with these three, we're about at a hundred dollars and these are all running for 20, going to be running for 24 hours. So you want to stay tuned. This is your chance now, right? Reach out to your influencers. If you haven't already done, you should already be in conversation with them and get some posts scheduled right get some post schedules at those peak times don't do something in the middle of the night usually around that you know 11 to 4 p.m range is really uh kind of the best times to go because it kind of covers all the different kinds of time zones where people will be will be purchasing your product especially if you're doing united states canada okay so get your post scheduled okay get your post scheduled today and stay tuned for tomorrow right tomorrow we're gonna have a bonus day we're gonna be showing you the results of all these posts being going out for 24 hours we're going to go over also a couple other uh, uh additional trainings to actually continue to grow and scale this sort of business guys i'm excited that the culmination of all our hard work has finally come down to this launch right here i will see you guys tomorrow <laughs> all right guys we're celebrating like little girls right now let's take a seat i'm recording right here <laughs> let me just show them the stripe let me just show them this um, one. there you go he has. He's still in there. He might purchase a uh, an upsell, but we're jumping around like little like <laughs> like little schoolgirls right now. So let me just screen record. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so let's let's add. <laughs> oh my God! There's nothing better, guys. As we pull up the screen here, actually, I'll let you so we can get on this mic. Yeah. You're recording? Yeah. Uh, there's literally nothing better than when you make your first sale in business. And we did it, guys. So it's we just posted that story. What? 30 minutes ago. What? Yeah, it's about, you know, 30, exact, literally exactly 30 minutes ago. Uh, so, you know, we're sitting around like I, we, he wants to go to Starbucks, get like something to eat. And I'm like, we got to wait. Like we're waiting. Uh, so we got our first order. It does say fifty nine seven because we changed the pricing. Remember, we tested with $2.00. Uh, that we did a test purchase last night. Um, but basically, interesting thing. So this is why it's nice to get into store funnel so you can kind of see the journey somebody's doing. You know, a lot of funnel builders, even Shopify, you can't see this deep. Um, but uh, kind of go to our um, go to our contacts. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to show you the kind of the journey. He may still purchase an upsell. This just happened. And we, we were celebrating. Just, oh, man, it never so beats he, it. So he opted in twice. So we, we went over to contacts. If you just click contacts, this is where you're going to be able to see all your emails. So this is just like our emails. We were probably bur blurted these out because they're like, personal emails yeah. um but we saw this guy uh kale turner i appreciate you um we saw him opt in he was our first person that opted in about 15 minutes ago and then we're like bye bye kale bye kale and then he came back right yeah. so he came back he must have had it saved on his browser you can see he opted in again right and you can see how many what his orders were and he purchased uh what two units two so units. he purchased two of the uh of the golf balls for 13.97 guys absolutely amazing and this is really cool because you can go into the marketing details you'll be able to see total email sent so now he's got pulled out of that automation right so you know you could get more advanced with the funnels that's where we, you know 
all of our more advanced training cover, you know, let's say somebody now that, that bought, right? This guy has purchased a product from us. We should be selling him more stuff now, like tomorrow or later tonight. We don't have those advanced email automations. One of the best times to sell somebody something is one at, right as they just bought, right? Uh, so, you know, right here, that shows you, like, if he was going to get sent those abandoned cart emails, it'll show you, like, how many emails, what his open rate is, and then you can really see the value of your clients. Like, what if you have a client that's opening every one of your emails, buying everything you want? You'd, you'd want to know that, right? And you can even add some notes in about the person. You can see their email. We'll, we'll blur all their, this guy's yeah. personal information out, obviously. There's right there, there. But, uh, man, man, that was exciting, guys. That never, I promise yeah. you, that feeling, oh, that God. feeling, that sigh of relief, like, oh, my gosh, you know, man, you're always there. All you your hard work. Yes, yes, and to make our first customer. So, first customer is down. We're, we we are still. Ali right now is literally talking to a bunch of uh, influencers because we still have like thirty bucks to to spend or seventy bucks. We're still negotiating, uh, but we'll come back tomorrow, guys. And uh, uh, do the, uh, the the bonus uh, video tomorrow, showing you guys what our final results are. But uh, man, That's awesome. That's awesome. Man, absolutely, That's absolutely. It That's never, cool. it never gets old, guys. We, like I said, we do this pretty much every single day, and uh, to see a lot a business, like, like think about that. We just built a business in five days and got a real paying customer on the fifth day. Like fifth day, we had a real paying customer, and this is all about bootstrapping, low risk, low cost to validate and test an idea. Now, I'm not saying this is a million dollar business or anything like that. By any means, it very well could be right. But I'm just saying, like, to create a business from scratch and on your fifth day to have real life paying customers, uh, man, just so exciting. So I will see you guys tomorrow on our bonus day number six. We're going to show you the final results of our challenge, as well as some more uh, bonus trainings for you as well as you continue to grow a business like this, guys. Uh, as I always say, your empire starts now. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps up day number five. I hope you can see the excitement of actually finally getting your online business launched, guys. Okay, so before, this is not the end, right? This is not the end. We still have a bonus day, bonus day number six, where I'm gonna be showing you, right, our stats over the 24 hours of our launch, right? And most importantly, how do you continue to grow and scale this business? So you need to tune in to day number six, okay? So head down below, hit the subscribe button, hit that notification bell. That's gonna notify you when day number six gets released. And while you're down there, drop a comment. It's gonna get you entered in to win $300 directly to your PayPal account completely for free, guys. I'm so excited about this get your business launch right now okay get your business launch this is day number five the hard work that you've been putting in comes down to this pull the trigger launch your business and tune into day number six where we're going to be going over our 24 hour stats guys as always have a fantastic rest of your day and remember your empire starts now If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Welcome to Snow Talk, the podcast series that brings you in-depth interviews for an insider's look at what makes our industry work. We will be speaking with snow industry professionals about life, 
about business and leadership in this often challenging and always satisfying industry. This episode of Snow Talk is brought to you by Western Snowplows. And now, enjoy Snow Talk, sponsored by Western. When you plow snow for a living, minutes wasted is money lost. That's why at Western, our plows are built for toughness and efficiency, like the Wideout and Wideout XL. Steel blades up to 11 feet wide with independently controlled flared wings so you can extend, retract, windrow, or scoop at the touch of a button. Because building superior equipment is the only way to keep our promise. More jobs done faster. Welcome to Snow Talk with Saima. I'm Cheryl Higley, Director of Education and Content for Saima. Joining me today is Doug Duchesne, owner of Bozeman Site Services in Bozeman, Montana. Doug, welcome to Snow Talk. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Let's just start off, you know, with the nitty gritty. Just tell me a little bit about your company, how you got started. I think you might be one of the Saima members farther west. So yeah, just tell me a little bit about you. Yeah. The company started, I worked for a landscape install company many, many years ago. And I just felt like it was really hard on my body and I wanted to do something a little different. So I went to the owner of that business and said, hey, can we start a lawn care division and let's go with it? And he said, yes, I started building that and it turned out he didn't want to do it. So I bought that from him and took off on our own. So that was in 2008. And we started with three people. And over the years, which is fantastic, it's grown way beyond me. And now we average 25 to 35 people, depending on the season. Did you always do snow when they started the landscape portion? Or did that come after you purchased? It was the opposite, actually. I ran the snow division for his landscape company for three years before we started the lawn care division. So when I bought the snow and lawn, it was really a big snow account and then a little bit of lawn that came with it. And then we've just grown from there. Do you do mostly commercial? Is there a mix of residential? I know with some like ski like areas, there's a lot of high-end residential that happens. What's your portfolio look like? It's a solid mix. I would say 50-50 between large commercial, and then we go all the way down to single residential. And I would say 50% of our portfolio is residential, 50 is commercial, and included in that 50 commercial, I would include all of our large HOAs and condo complexes and things of that nature. So we've got a, a pretty good mix of everything. Let's talk snow in Montana. What's it like out there? Is you know with the mountains and the skiing, is there a lot of tolerance for snow or not so much? Oh, that's a great question. I think a lot of Montanans have a pretty decent tolerance for snow. We do have some people that have been here their whole life and they're like, hey, it's snowing. Can you come take care of us? And then we also have the a large influx, especially over the last couple of years, a large influx of people coming from out of state moving here. And I think that is definitely changing the game and the coming from places where you really don't get any snow to coming to here. Now, all of a sudden, an inch seems like a foot. 
to some people, right? So it is kind of difficult. I would say that that pendulum swings depending on the account. Well, you were on the cover of Snow Business Magazine last December. And I remember when we talked, um, you mentioned how cold it can get and those wild temperature swings. That's obviously dangerous for your team to be out in. So how do you manage those swings and and keep your team safe while also still servicing your customers? That's another great question. I would say, so we have a rule for us. If it's 25 degrees or below, we just shut down service. It's best for our guys. It's safest for our guys. And really, nobody's outside at 25 below anyway, most likely. So there's not a ton of snow removal that needs to be done. And to be honest, it really isn't snowing when it's 25 below. But more important, last year we had a a crazy stretch where it was between 30 and 40 below for two and a half weeks straight. And we actually sent out a letter to our customers and said, hey, listen, it's unsafe we're going to just shut down for a couple of weeks while this crazy weather comes through. And to my surprise, I mean, I, I don't know why I was surprised, but our customers were super receptive to that. And they said, oh, great move. Keep you guys at home. Keep them safe. And, and in that note, we, we basically said, if you guys need service, we're happy to serve you. We're going to do only daylight hours. So it was like from nine to three, roughly, so that we could be out during the day, no nighttime work when it was really, really cold. And it was kind of, we turned it over to a will call basis. So if you really needed service, you had to call in and request it. And we really didn't have too much going on during that period. So it was actually pretty nice. And the guys appreciated the safety aspect of it. And, you know, I I would applaud one of my managers for bringing that to my attention and saying, hey, you know, I know we don't have anything written in the books for we just don't send our guys out because it's not safe. And he's like, I I really think we're getting to the area of this, this could be unsafe. So he, he was the one that sparked the discussion on writing the, the letter to our customers and holding our guys in guys and girls holding them in from the potential danger. So the weather here really just swings. It, It can vary so much. Usually it's cold, single digits and whatnot, and it's and it's nice, and we're all tough enough to deal with that. But when it gets really, really cold, it it can be, it can be scary. And we're spread out far enough as well that if someone did put their truck in the ditch, it may be twenty minutes before anybody can get to them. Or if you know if their truck battery died and they couldn't get on the radio and call for help. It could be longer than that because it could be a mile till you get to the next house. So we have to play that game while we're out here. But it's not uh, it's not crazy. We're still a small town and almost everything is within a short walk. You mentioned that there wasn't really anything on the books. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is there anything in your contracts as far as like a clause goes that should the temperature hit this, we're not coming? We don't have that in our contract. That may be a good thing to look at in the future. But I think what we try to do is, I think anybody can be a snow removal company. But where you build like relationships is when you have communication with your customers. And I think that communication is where our company 
that's where we set ourselves apart is building relationships with our customers so that when we go to them and ask them something, they're receptive to that. They're just not another snow removal account to make money from. They're our friends. We consider them our friends and our customers are part of our, the bigger family. And I, I mean, I know it sounds, it may sound a little cheesy to say that, but I, I think that the customer relationship is far more important than the quality and level of service. They're much more receptive to requests, changes, or mistakes when you have a relationship built with your customers, if that makes sense. For sure. You mentioned that you started with three people and now, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35. First is, do you have a lot of year-round staff? Do you sub a lot out? How's your labor work? Mm, Yeah. Well, to be honest, I mean, to go back to the beginning, starting with three, I think it's very accurate that when people start a well, I'm not, I'm just, just because I know landscaping, typically when you have one person start a landscape company, they want to have their own, their own job, right? They want to have their, the say in what they do during the day, and they may not be setting out to, to run it as a business. Well, I was no exception to that. I just wanted to control my own schedule, right? And make a little bit more money than I thought I was making at the time, not knowing that there's way more that goes into running a business than just going out and getting some accounts and and mowing for your customers. So in the beginning, I had just set out for controlling my workload. And over the years, I found that we were good at what we did. And we grew through this. At a, at a certain point, you get to a place where you have to not work anymore and manage people. And it's taken many, many changes over the last 14 years to get to a point where we can run 30, 35 people in the winter, a lot of part-timers. I mean, we, we built it so that, or I guess I should take a step back into the middle of that transition phase was if I desire to have people here that want to invest in my business, I've got to create a platform where they can have a career. They can grow. They can take care of their family. And that's kind of what sparked the whole movement of now we have 35 guys. Don't know the exact number, but I'm guessing we have probably 15 people that are full-time year-round employees now. When we first started, I had no idea that we would ever get to that point. So we have a really good solid base of full-time employees that uh, that are here year round and then we have we do have a lot of part-timers we we draw kids from the school from college from MSU is in town and a lot of those people are the ones that help offset our numbers for snow removal storms for lawn care for all those different things we kind of have a a really good mix and then we do have quite a few subs as well and I think we've built a great relationship with our subs. We've had our subs for as long as we've been in business. And I think that's, again, that's a relationship issue. Just building good relationships, keeping the same subs on year after year. We learn each other. We know each other. And if we need to make changes or whatever, we sit down and have a discussion about it. It's really nice. It's different for everybody, for every company as as you grow a business. Was there a particular pain point or 
or time where you realized it was time that you needed to be out of the field and and working as I guess the leader or you know working on the business not in it Absolutely and you just said it exactly work on the business not in it the pain point was I'm going to guess about 9 or 10 years ago so maybe 4 or 5 years in I was still mowing lawns with the guys, doing snow removal with the guys, and coming home and doing all the back-end work to keep the business running. And between, I was working probably 90 hours a week, no days off. You know, you're always working. You're always involved in your business. At that time, my wife and I, we had our office was at our house. And that was the worst thing that we ever did was have the office at our house because I was just not engaging with my family and I would just get up and I'd go in the office, I'd shut the door. And at that point, you can work seven days a week, every day, all day. And it came to a point where we were just like, okay, time out. We wanted to have a job where we could play and we live in this wonderful place. We love to run and mountain bike and ski and we couldn't do any of that. So at that point there, that's when really boiled up in me to say, we need to do something different. And that's when we started to bring in or raise up the strongest crew members to run the crews. So say, Hey, you can you make sure that all the lawns get mowed today? I'm going to stay in the office and work on paperwork. That was the big turning point was 90 hours a week, no family life. And that's just, I really, at that point, wanted to just go back and get a job somewhere, you know? So being able to distance yourself and kind of take that more hands-off approach, you, you have to have those team members that you can that you can trust and put your faith in. Talk a little bit about how you you work with your team and to build them up and show them, you know, snow and ice can be a career and, and not just a job where it's really cold and the work is hard. Absolutely. My mindset has changed over the years and it started out where I was just raising up the strongest person to take a leadership role and give them the tasks of maintaining the lawn care crew, right? That's kind of where it, where it started and mentoring those guys, bringing them up, teaching them what I knew to, to move forward. You know, over the years, I think that that has changed a little bit because I think at some point there were plenty of times where I was taking some employees that really were awesome at their job and loved what they did and were rock stars. And we were putting them into a camp where they, it was not in their, their sweet spot, not in their zone. And then it did set them up, unfortunately, for failure in some instances, right? So we absolutely pour into and want to, to grow anybody in any position to grow through and become a better person, right? Our goal at Bozeman Site Services, our goal, and this isn't, this isn't a joke, this is really what we tell all of our guys, our goal is that when you come to work for us, if you leave or when you leave and you go to another company, you are going to be their best employee. That is what our goal is with all of the, everybody that works for us is just that growth. So we just pour into them, give them, if they want opportunities, we give them opportunities, right? If they are, if they 
say, hey, I want to switch divisions. I want to go over into irrigation repair. Great. Here's some things to work on. Grow, read, take this test, you know, go get certified here. When you're there, let's go. We'll switch you over. That's awesome. We pour into all our guys that way. And then the other thing, too, that I think I learned just in the last couple of years, and this is with a lot of help from a coach, is sometimes the right people for the job are not in your company, right? They come from outside of the company. And I wanted that mom and pop feel to stay. And I was really reluctant to hire outside people. But with the help of my coach and lots of discussion, we were able to draw in some outside people to really elevate the training platform and the growth trajectory of all these guys and still keep the same culture. And that's been very difficult. I would say that we've made some hiring mistakes that have hurt culture and we've made some, some great hires that have really added to the culture that we wouldn't have if we didn't outside hire. Right. So it's a fine balance and it's grown, it's grown through the years, but anybody that works for us has the opportunity to grow and become better when they work for us. One of the other things that we have is a platform where we can, you know, it's kind of more impromptu and it's not like a set every week deal, but the guys can request any sort of growth that they want balancing a checkbook, anything like that. And then we have basically a meeting where the people can come in and we teach them how to balance a checkbook. I mean, that's just simple stuff that, you know, I think really helps people grow. And it's not just learning how to mow a lawn better, right? So we have a lot of that in our company. And I, I think that's a, a big benefit to the guys. We talk about having the right people in the right positions, in the right organization. I remember we were talking once and you said that that assessment of of being the right person in the right position includes kind of that self-assessment of of you as an owner and that not all business owners are CEOs. Can you talk a little bit about kind of that self-assessment for you and when you realize that you weren't great at some things, you were really great at others and, and how you kind of navigated that? Absolutely. The catalyst behind that was the coach, my coach. He helped assess what were the key frustrations in the business and how we can move past those. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is I'm a very passionate and energetic person. And I'm not a very thoughtful and systematic person, not in a bad way, but I'm not the guy that should be setting up detailed events, right? I'm the visionary. I look forward into the future and I just think, I don't care whatever it takes to get it done. I don't plan well, right? So when we flushed that out, we realized that I was the biggest fire starter in our business, right? And when the guys wanted clear and concise mapped routes, And I would call in on a Wednesday and say, hey, one of our Thursday customers wants us to mow them today instead of tomorrow. I would just throw a grenade in the room, blow up the whole schedule, make them switch, frustrate the guys, frustrate everybody in the business, frustrate other customers that planned on getting mowed on Wednesday. You know, just things like that. And that that was when 
I really realized and it and it wasn't like, oh, okay, well then I need to hire someone for that. It takes a lot of looking into yourself to say, I can see how that starts fires. I can see how people get frustrated with that. What's the right solution? You know, so the you know, one of the first of all, our team that we have is just super talented. Everybody brings their own giftings to our company right now. Got a million people here that just bring different ideas and everything is awesome. But I think one of the things when we hired the director of operations for our business, he does not get excited about a lot of things. He is very cool, calm and collected. And he likes to plan well and just, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And we go forward. And I'm totally not that guy. But I can see when bringing that into the business, how much more calm and, you know, there's way less tension in the business now in the delivery of lawn care or snow removal. I would get so excited on snow removal if we weren't done exactly on time. And you know, that's out of our control. And I would just expect to get 200 hours worth of work done in a, in 100 hours if it started snowing late. Well, it's just really unrealistic, right? And bringing someone in that says, you know what, we'll get it done. It'll be a little late. Everybody will be happy. I'll send out an email and say we're running late. Everything's going to be fine. And that just totally defuses the whole situation, right? Versus having me in there screaming and yelling, we got to go faster. We got to do this. So that was a lot of the introspection was just what my giftings were to the business and what my giftings were not. And then surrounding myself with the people to support what I was not good at. I can honestly tell you over the last probably two years we have truly grown into an organization that is not my business anymore. It is our business. I mean, that's just the absolute truth. There are things inside our company right now that run 10 times better than I could have done them. And I don't even know what those things are, right? But we've selected the right team members to run those things and make those happen. And when someone comes to me with questions, I don't know, go ask this person, you know, and they go get answers. And it works really well. So those are all great turning points. I think the hiring a coach was the single most transformative thing that I've ever done for my business, for sure. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, we were Again, we were on on a call and, and we were talking with another snow professional who is struggling to grow and he wants to grow. And and you mentioned that that was the turning point for you, that making that investment in a coach for you kind of catapulted you into that next level. Can you t- just talk a little bit about that experience? Yes, yes. It started back with a single book for me, which I think is an amazing book. One of many, right? But E-Myth is an incredible book. And it is, it basically, it's saying, how can you systemize your business to make processes? And it teaches you to something that you referred to a couple minutes ago about working on your business, not in your business. Going through reading that book, 
uh, read it several times. We had a small business group in town where we all read the book again and talked about it and discussed chapters. And at at the time, I believe they still do. At the time, they had a coaching platform for Emeth, and I said, you know, I'm gonna just look into it. And you get to interview with a couple different coaches, and you know, really pick. Again, it's about creating relationships. You get to connect with some people, have some discussions, and then pick the coach that you want that you think would be most beneficial, even if you don't know what you need at the time, just someone that you click with. And I got paired up with a fantastic coach, and he's been my coach ever since. I I think uh, I did have a little stretch where financially we couldn't do it. But I had a lot to work on and I just worked on some some of my own stuff. And then once we got back to a point where we could financially do that, I got back in touch with them and we moved forward. But having someone outside of your organization who has no emotional ties to your company can really have some serious influence and speak into problem solving and pathfinding where you may get bogged down just thinking about a frustration and that may hold you back from a lot of things. So having that coach on the side to help bring you through stuff is absolutely priceless. And I would say now, I wish I would have done this when I first started the business. I wish I'd have known this back before I started a business. And I would say also, even through the times when I thought I couldn't afford that, the price of having a coach in your corner is really worth every single penny. Going back to your team a little bit and the relationships, you've talked a lot about relationships with your customers and and with your team, and that I imagine all ties into delivering great service. And one of the things you talked about within your culture is this before they know it. Can you tell me a little bit about before they know it and, and how you kind of instill that into your culture and what that means to your team? Absolutely. The whole idea behind that is people, and I'm only going to apply it to snow and lawn care because this is what we do. This is applicable to any single situation anywhere. And this is what I always tell my guys. It doesn't matter what we do. We could be painters. We could be lawyers. It doesn't matter what it is. But people want solutions for frustrations, right? They're not just buying, can you cut my lawn? They're buying I don't have the time to cut my lawn. I want to go camping with my family because I work my butt off all week. And then if I have to cut my lawn on Saturday, blows my weekend and my life just is not as fun as I want it to be, right? So before they know it comes from a platform of solving people's frustrations before they know it. And my stepbrother has a, a company and he gave me, he talked about a way that they rewarded their employees. And I kind of stole a little bit from that, but we have a coin system and we have these coins and you can, you can gain coins, not just for mowing a good lawn or doing snow appropriately and, and making a job look good. It's got to be for something that was not asked of you that is above and beyond. A great example of that is we had, this was two winters ago, I believe, We had a super solid employee come in. We always get out the door at three o'clock. We have three o'clock starts for snow days. Everybody gets there between 2.30 and three o'clock. This employee showed up at 
let's just say 245 and realized the manager that was supposed to be there prepping everybody to get them out the door, i.e. starting trucks, loading trailers, making sure everybody has all their shovels in the right spots, ice melt, getting all the trucks ready. He realized that the manager wasn't there. So he took on his own action, again, without being told, he ended up going out, starting everybody's trucks, cleaning off their windshields, turning the heat on, loading up all their machines. Didn't get asked to do that. And when everybody came in, including the manager, they were like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And it's teaching these kids to like do go above and beyond, treat people better than they, than they you know, better than you would want to be treated. Just serve people. And those things get rewards. So we give out coins for those and we call them out in front of the whole, in front of the whole crew, whoever was, was blessed by his actions. They get to say, Hey, you, you helped me so much here. I'm going to give you a coin. And then, and then these, the, we can, you can gather up coins for all kinds of different things, free days off, uh, you know, a free paid day off or gift cards to local restaurants or anything of that nature. And then, and a kind of a side note for that platform is we also have a total threshold for if the entire team gets a certain number of coins per month, we do a full catered dinner to celebrate that everybody's going above and beyond. Everybody's got coins you know, nobody got the free day off or nobody got the ski passes or whatever it is, but we have a free catered dinner. Everybody gets together. We play ping pong and shuffleboard and wiffle ball, whatever it is. And we get a nice big dinner and, and go from there. But no joke. Anybody can mow lawns. Anybody can do snow removal. It's how you deliver it. That is the difference maker. I guarantee you 110% that you can make mistakes and we all will make mistakes. If you have a good relationship, your customers will forgive you and love you more for fixing the mistakes honestly. And if you just use it as a platform to go make money, you will lose customers and they will not have that connection. And it will just point out every single mistake and it will just become, I've found, an absolute frustration and just a problem solving business. And that's just not, there's no fun in that. Right. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to chat about before we head out? Ultimately, I just wanted to say, I, I fully recognize that I can't do this on my own and our team. I know I said it earlier in the podcast, but the team that we have all of them bring a their own unique giftings to this business and and all of that is what makes our company amazing i just i really appreciate everybody that works for us all the way just even down to the part-time people that are just trying to make money for college everybody brings something to the table and i just want to acknowledge first of all thank you to all those people everybody in the in the organization and we would not be when i first started the business i've been blown away so many times year after year on how 
far we can go and what the next level that we can reach is. And none of that is possible without the people that work here. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody that works for BSS past and present is recognized for contributing to something that is really awesome and beyond one person. It's awesome. I have enjoyed getting to know you over the last couple of years. Thank you for taking the time to sit with me this morning. Good luck this winter. I hear you have snow coming. So yeah, thanks again. Appreciate it. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be here. Thanks, Doug. You bet. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for joining us for Snow Talk, sponsored by Western Snowplows. We hope you enjoyed it. Check out the latest episodes of Snow Talk, including any you may have missed, at www.sima.org backslash podcast. episode, please leave us a review on iTunes.
We've all been following very closely the question of whether or not voting rights will get federal protections this year. Um, to that end, I want to draw your attention to something that just happened a short time ago tonight on the United States Senate floor. Congress has a responsibility to act now to ensure that the right of every American to vote is never taken away. We must pass legislation to prevent partisan politicians from rejecting the will of the people and overturning election results. And because that effort here in Congress is being blocked by a minority, which is abusing its power, I believe the time has come to change the Senate rules to allow a straight up or down majority vote on this fundamental issue of democracy. We must change the Senate rules to protect the right to vote, because if we don't, we face a very different kind of election day than the one we have now. If the partisans who are attacking our democracy have their way, our Tuesday election day in early November will be different. We'll wake up, cast our vote, drop our kids at school, go to work, We'll tune back in at the end of the day to see the election results, only to learn that the vote tally is being ignored, that our votes don't matter much. We'll learn that our legislatures are going to throw out the results and pick their own winner. We'll see an election day that is a charade, just like in countries where democracy doesn't exist. Our democracy is too important to allow a minority of this body to let it slip away. We must pass legislation to protect American democracy. Our country depends on it. That was New Hampshire U.S. Senator Maggie Hassan tonight, urgently calling on her colleagues in the Senate to change the rules, to change the filibuster rules and allow a simple majority to pass voting rights protections. Now, this is really important um, in political terms. Senator Hassan is a moderate senator. She's got a very tough reelection fight ahead of her in New Hampshire. And this represents a shift for Senator Hassan. Up until now, she has not um, she, she supported voting rights, to be sure, but she has not supported a carve out from the filibuster for getting voting rights passed. Now, she says, given the urgency of this situation and the sort of dire straits that democracy is in without federal protection, uh, now she supports getting voting rights protections passed with a straight up or down majority vote. And that really is the only way it can happen. Joining us now to talk about arriving at this new position is Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan from the great state of New Hampshire. Senator Hassan, it's a real pleasure to have you here tonight. Um, thank you for making time. Rachel, thanks for having me on. So I want to be clear, and I think I was a little woolly about this, the way that I described it uh, before the commercial break um, a moment ago. In the past, you have said that the filibuster should maybe be changed. For example, we should maybe force people to talk through the filibuster all the way through, like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, in order to apply a filibuster to something like voting rights. This speech that you gave tonight makes me think that you're calling for something new, that you are calling for essentially a carve out from the filibuster so that voting rights can pass with just a simple majority vote. This is a shift for you, isn't it? Yes, it is, because the foundational nature of voting rights is at stake. And 
part of what has really influenced me here is just seeing this acceleration of measures at the state level where um, they're working to take impartially administered elections and turning them into a partisan exercise. And if that happens, um, if we can't rely on our votes being counted and tallied um, and our election officials caring not about who wins, but about making sure that the elections are just free and fair, uh, then we really are seeing uh, the crumbling of the very foundation of our democracy. And that's the foundation on which everything else is built. That sort of anecdote, that sort of dystopian um, portrait that you laid out for your colleagues, talking about how the next election day might be one in which we learn after casting our votes that our votes are being disregarded. Um, it does sound a little bit like science fiction facially, but the type of changes that you described in that part of your speech, those things have actually been proposed in numerous state legislatures already um, this year, not even a year out yet from, right. from, from last year's election resolution. Um, is there disbelief among your colleagues that things are this serious and that the proposals to change our elections are as radical as the ones that you described? There is just kind of, I'm not sure disbelief is the right term, but real concern, and we've been talking about it among ourselves. And, you know, I I think a lot right now about my dad. He was a World War II veteran. He fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Um, and he and that greatest generation saved freedom for the rest of the world. Um, they saw the threat, the reality of tyrants and authoritarianism up front and, and up close. And my dad, um, sometimes at the breakfast table with my sister and brother and I, would uh, look at us and say, um, what are you all going to do for freedom today? And that sounds like kind of a serious, odd question to ask a kid. But my dad meant it. And he's been on my mind a lot recently. What are we going to do for freedom today? Because this all depends on having these impartially administered elections. Senator, you are a, a practical and ideologically moderate Democrat. Um, you are a get things done for your home state kind of senator, I know. Um, you don't spend a lot of time on cable television, for example. Um, I have to ask you, given given your role in the Democratic caucus, your sort of workhorse, not show horse role, and the way that you are allied with your more moderate colleagues on a lot of issues, do you have any insight into whether they might be softening on this issue or, or, or opening their mind on this issue to potentially changing the filibuster rule in order to pass these protections, even if they had previously said they wouldn't do it. I'm thinking specifically of Senator Kirsten Sinema, but I, I mean it about any of your other colleagues who might have previously been um, on, in a more cautious posture on this issue. What I can tell you is that the seriousness of what we're seeing in states across the country is really weighing on people. From Georgia hmm. to Arkansas to Arizona, uh, we are seeing these measures uh, that are really aimed at allowing partisans to just work the levers of their power uh, to really choose their own uh, winners. And what we also know is when that happens, when voters 
don't have confidence that their input matters or that they can hold their elected representatives accountable, uh, then the democracy really does begin to crumble. Um, and people in power, as they get more and more uh, distanced and divorced from the people they represent because they aren't held accountable, um, begin to rely more and more on authoritarian methods. And so this is really serious. It's weighing on all of us. Uh, we know how important free, fair, impartially administrated elections are to our democracy, to our way of life, and frankly, too, um, how important it is uh, when, you, when you think about who our enemies are, um, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, they would love to see American democracy fail. This is about our security, stability, our economy, our individual rights at home. But it's also about our security around the world and about our standing. So it's weighing on all of us, and we're having ongoing um, discussions about it because it's so serious. It is Friday, the 17th of December of 2021, and you are in West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy. I am your chef de cuisine, Justice Putnam. Gunner the English Bulldog is our snoozing sous chef. And our daily special is Blue Moon Spirits Fridays because we are all Nighthawks in the Diner of Life. Well, Friday is upon us and uh, <laughs> do we have to gird our loins for the weekend like we used to for uh, every weekend with that guy? Well, it's bad enough. Uh, Mitch McConnell uh, uh, commented on the January 6th commission that being something that, uh, you know, he might, uh, you know, it's, he, he, it's interesting to him. Now, some pundits have speculated that maybe McConnell and the rest of the GOP are done with Trump. But I don't think Trump's done with the GOP. <laughs> no, no, he's got about 71 million people who are willing Yes, to take up arms and tell people what they want. And if they don't get it, they're going to make you give it to them because they're tired. They're tired of living in the margins of society. And then you look at their boats that they are rich enough to sink at their maggot regattas. you got to have a lot of disposable income, one would think, to not only purchase this craft, but then to go out on the lakes, the rivers, the ocean, wherever, get swamped, and have your vessel sink. Because then you got to pay to have it, like, you know, dragged back up by a salvage company. Hopefully without too much damage. Oh, my God. Well, they were living on the margins. They had economic anxiety. All those people out there are going to make sure they aren't able to buy their third or fourth yacht that they can sink on a whim. All right. Not to mention their maggot trucks and their and their uh, McMansions. Mm-hmm. Very, very marginal types. Very. Life has just treated them so terribly. And look at all those people out there just taking, taking, taking. Ah. Not once do they ever look within themselves to see how much they've taken and how much they've given back. All right. And apparently we are the commies and the socialists. Well, we only look like commie and socialists to them, as I've mentioned before, because they are so far to the right. That uh, they call Nazis uh, liberals. 
That's how far to the right you have to be. Plus, you got to be a little bit, uh, you know, uh, twisted in the head, too. That's part of uh, being a Nazi, is not being well. <laughs> because if you were well, uh, the Icebox Baby Gulags probably would have bothered you when they were happening on the front page. Lionized as some great thing that was being done by this great man who's finally told all those rapists and drug addicts no more. All right. Remember the Muslim ban? I mean, that was like within days of this guy taking over the United States of America with Russian help. People were kind of pissed. Remember the Women's March right after the inaugural? I don't remember anybody with uh, pink pussy hats storming the Capitol saying, give me the vice president or give me whatever. Nobody did that. Nobody. Only one party was willing to violently attempt to overthrow the United States of America and then have the audacity to call themselves patriots. And we are the enemy. Oh, we're Antifa. Well, yeah, we're anti-fascist. I, that's supposed to be a bad thing? You gotta be pretty much of a Nazi to think that anti-fascism is a bad thing. Oh no, you're the Nazi. You're the Nazi. You're trying to make me take a vaccine. Just like the Nazis did. The Nazis didn't force people to take a vaccine. Let's be clear. <sighs> Weimar Republic did, but that's a different story. And anyway, health laws are there for a reason. They're public. You're protecting the public. Only these weird-ass Nazi libertarians, and, you know, really libertarians, yeah, they're just temporarily embarrassed Nazis. Once they get over the embarrassment, they just go out there and start goose-stepping with the rest of them. <laughs> I feel good. I'm goose-stepping now. <sighs> Got a Trump judge deciding, and he sits on an appellate court. Jeez, these people packed the courts for decades, and then we get to Trump and look who he puts up there. I wish they were as competent as Roland Frieslander. Or is it Frieslander? You know the People's Court judge in Nazi Germany? The real People's Court? Yeah, when People's Court came out with Wapner, remember that guy? Way back in the day, I was thinking, Wapner? People's Court? Nazi Germany? What the hell is going on? Yeah, that's how they subtly dig it in there a little bit. Huh? Now you got 71 million people who are just willing to embrace Nazism. And they're willing to shout to high heaven that it's a good thing. They are the patriots. So we have this wacko Trump judge deciding a case about a high school student, a young girl who did not want to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. So the principal, some coaches, a bunch of teachers just harassed and harangued this poor girl for years. Years. Made her the public butt of jokes. 
questioned her patriotism, questioned her nationality, questioned her religion, questioned whether she was a witch, questioned whether she was a Muslim, questioned this, questioned that, just because she did not want to stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Which I should say the Supreme Court has already decided on that you can do that. But it didn't matter to this school. So she sued. And it's wended its way through this packed court judicial system. Decades they packed the courts. Decades. You know, it's about time we balanced them. All right? Come on, Democrats. Stop being so polite. So we got this Trump judge questioning whether this girl has any rights. He called the First Amendment a dumpster fire. Why, you know, the First Amendment's not settled law. This is a Trump judge, packed on the courts, probably Federalist Society, endorsed at least. And nobody bats an eye. They are now purporting that the First Amendment is not settled law, but part of the Second Amendment is. Only part. Not the whole amendment, only part. No, these guys are Nazis. You know, with quotation marks at least, okay? And it's about time we punched the Nazis. You got this Nazi, Marjorie Taylor Greene, calling people in the, in the uh, house communists. We got to get rid of these communists. And we're all nice and everything. And while we're being nice, they want to strike our comments from the public record because we insulted a colleague. And the insult was not there from our side. They want to purge all of us because of our commie tendencies. And yet... We're not attempting to purge them because I got to tell you, there should not be any Nazis in government. They should not be allowed to run. They should, if, if they're exposed as having Nazi tendencies, then well, I don't know, put them through a, a, a 12 step program. Maybe there's some sort of methadone Nazi patch that they can wear to get over it, maybe. But they certainly can't be put in positions of power to decide upon what democracy and representative democracy is going to do since their whole reason d'etre is to destroy democracy. There's no First Amendment right to that. If a young girl can't, can't decide on her own, I am not going to give some sort of false fealty to a flag. My patriotism is not judged upon that act. Because I got to tell you, every single one of these electeds, plus all of these Federalist Society judges, took an oath to the Constitution that they seem to be breaking on a daily basis. They care nothing for an oath. So why would they be allowed to judge what a young girl is doing in terms of her high school and this forced patriotism that's being forced upon her. So 
Spiro Agnew said way back in the day that this country is going to move so far to the right you won't recognize it. Do we? Do we recognize it? When it's in slow motion, I suppose, it seems like it's always been there. Well, you know what? It always has. The Nazis wouldn't have become Nazis if they hadn't studied American eugenics and our anti-Semitic movements, our slavery. So, yeah, it's always been there. The sentiment's always been there, but there's always been a third of the population, the caustic third. But somehow their numbers have not increased, and yet their influence has. And why? Are we too lazy to rub out the rust? We're just going to let it corrode until everything collapses? I think we need to get to work. Indeed. Well, it is Friday. Let's let's hoist those French 77s, shall we? Yes, we shall. And get into the curated part of the show, because that's how we center ourselves. <laughs> At least some of us do. At the top, well, Senate Democrats are getting serious about protecting elections and voting rights. And I don't know. Maybe Joe Manchin will accept a carve-out exception for the filibuster. Still got to get cursed and Kristen on board. Jeez. Okay. On the rest of the menu in the Bistro Cafe as we start off here on this Blue Moon Spirits Fridays, the all-Republican Texas Court of Criminal Appeals ruled Ken Paxton cannot unilaterally prosecute election cases. Cannot. A Superior Court judge in Delaware rejected Fox News' motion to dismiss the defamation lawsuit brought by Dominion Voting Systems. And it looks like, oh, Fox is, uh, uh, they're running. They're running scared. And the Federal Trade Commission voted unanimously on a rule that would prohibit impersonating government agencies or well-known companies in order to bilk Americans. God, I can't tell you how many car warranty calls uh, my mom gets daily. After the break, we move to the chef's table where vaccine skeptics in Eastern Europe are having a change of heart. Yeah, infections are spiking big time. And the seats in Germany's Bundestag will be rearranged after the new ruling party refused to sit next to the extreme far-right alternative for Germany party. All that and more. On West Coast, cookbook and speakeasy. Bon appétit. At netrootsradio.com to the right of the page is the chat room link, and the chat room is monitored by the Kelly Lincoln. Thank you, Kelly. To the left of that chat room link across the page near the bottom 
of our homepage at netrootsradio.com is the link to our Patreon page. If you could become a recurring Patreon of Netroots Radio, and if you could afford to send us what you might spend on an espresso-type coffee drink, for instance, if you could send those funds to us once a month, boy, I got to tell you, it really helps. Because we like to pay our bills. And we do. We not only like to, we do. And we are able to do it because of your help. And we've been doing this, paying our bills, which then allows us to fly under the radar and continue this resistance against the hostile takeover of the United States of America. We've been doing this for almost 11 years now. 24-7, 365. That's right. Continuous broadcast resistance. And we take it as a civic duty, and we take our civic duty quite seriously. Longevity might be a clue. We have some dedication to the purpose now, don't we? And we have you to thank for allowing us to fulfill our civic duty as the founders originally intended oh so many years ago. Anyway, thank you. If you would like to follow Netroots Radio on Twitter, you can do so at Netroots Radio. Tom takes care of that. And thank you, Tom, for doing so. Follow me on Twitter at Justice Putnam. I incidentally post the show notes and links diary. It will always be a diary, not a story. I post that diary on Daily Codes about 10 minutes before showtime and then get it posted up on Twitter and other social media networks. And you know who they are. Follow the show on Twitter at Cookbook West, and please do pick up podcasts by way of Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, YouTube, iTunes, etc., 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 etc. Okay, this uh, first offering here in the Bistro Cafe of West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy is out of the uh, Texas Tribune by Patrick Svitek. Texas's highest court for criminal cases struck down a law that allows the attorney general to unilaterally prosecute election cases. The state's Court of Criminal Appeals issued an 8-to-1 opinion saying a provision of the law violates the separation of powers clause in the Texas Constitution, representing an intrusion by the executive branch into the judicial. The attorney general can only get involved in a case when asked to by a district or county attorney, the court said. Attorney General Ken Paxton, a Republican who has been aggressive in trying to root out voter fraud, bashed the opinion from the all-GOP court. He said in a tweet that the ruling could be devastating for future elections in Texas. You know, as they've already said publicly. If we Democrats are able to vote, they they can't win. There's more of us. Because I guess we're all commie socialists who want free press, free speech, freedom of religion, freedom from religion. And the potholes filled up. At stake was a part of the election code that says the attorney general, the state's top law enforcement officer, may prosecute a criminal offense prescribed by the election laws of this state. The provision was thrown into jeopardy by a long, winding case involving Jefferson County Sheriff Zena Stevens 
after the county district attorney declined to prosecute Stevens over campaign finance allegations stemming from the 2016 election. Paxton's office stepped in and obtained an indictment from a grand jury in neighboring Chambers County. In its opinion, the Court of Criminal Appeals overturned a lower court ruling that said the election code provision clearly and unambiguously gives the Attorney General power to prosecute criminal laws prescribed by election laws generally, whether those laws are inside or outside the code. Rather, the Court of Criminal Appeals said the Attorney General can prosecute with the permission of the local prosecutor, but cannot initiate prosecution unilaterally. In his tweet, Paxson said the ruling means Soros-funded district authorities will have sole power to decide whether election fraud has occurred in Texas. That is a reference to George Soros, the Democratic megadonor who has become a force in local prosecutor elections, you know, because he's Jewish. And let's just throw the Jew in there. The Jews are going to take over Texas. We can't have that. We'll all be celebrating Hanukkah. <laughs> Hanukkah's over. This is a big win for, um, oh, I'm sorry. Harris County attorney Christian Menifee cheered the ruling. Harris County, the largest in Texas, was the epicenter of election-related litigation in the lead-up to the 2020 election in Texas. This is a big win for local government and Texans who are tired of state officials exaggerating voter fraud claims to undermine elections. Reacting to the ruling... A Republican state representative, Briscoe Kane. You know, this is a this is like a little Trumpenjungen, Nazi Jungen brat. This Briscoe Kane. God, I ew, this guy bugs me almost as much as Madison Cawthorn bugs me. Well, he said he would file a bill the next time the legislature convenes that would let prosecutors in neighboring counties go after election cases. If the attorney general can't and a county won't then prosecutors from an adjacent county should be able to do it, the Deer Park lawmaker tweeted. Associated Press staff bring us this next offering here in the Bistro Cafe of West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy, Blue Moon Spirits Fridays. A judge yesterday Thursday rejected a motion by Fox News to dismiss a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit brought against the cable news giant by Dominion Voting Systems, over claims about the 2020 presidential election. In the 52-page ruling, Delaware Superior Court Judge Eric Davis said that the voting machine company had shown that at this stage, it is reasonably conceivable that Dominion has a claim for defamation per se. 
Denver-based Dominion filed a lawsuit earlier this year against the media organization, alleging that some Fox News employees elevated false charges that Dominion had changed votes in the 2020 election through algorithms in its voting machines that had been created in Venezuela to rig elections for the late dictator Hugo Chavez. On-air personalities brought on Trump allies who spread the claims and then amplified those claims on Fox News' social media platforms. It is, what did they call it again here? A media organization. It is not news. It's a propaganda shop and should be treated accordingly. In this reporter's opinion, of course. There is no evidence of widespread fraud in the 2020 election. In fact, or a fact that a range of election officials across the country and even Trump's Attorney General William Barr confirmed. An Associated Press review of every potential case of voter fraud in the six battleground states disputed by Trump has found fewer than 475, a number that would have made no difference in the 2020 presidential election. And I want to tell you, of that 475, I bet you 472 voted for Trump multiple times for their dead wives, their dead moms, their dead husbands, their dead kids. The dead are voting because we're voting for them. God, these people. And I really mean it when I say these people. In denying the motion to dismiss the lawsuit, Davis said that Dominion's complaint supports the reasonable inference that Fox either knew its statements about Dominion's role in election fraud were false or had a high degree of awareness that the statements were false. Davis said that Fox possessed countervailing evidence of election fraud from the Department of Justice, election experts, and Dominion at the time it had been making its statements. The fact that despite this evidence... Fox continued to publish its allegations against Dominion, suggests Fox knew the allegations were probably false. The judge also wrote that despite emails from Dominion attempting to factually address Fox's fraud allegations, Fox and its news personnel continued to report Dominion's, quote, purported connection to the election fraud claims without also reporting on Dominion's emails, end quote. Given that Fox apparently refused to report contrary evidence, the complaint's allegations support the reasonable inference that Fox intended to keep Dominion's side of the story out of the narrative, the judge wrote. Fox News Media said in a statement that, As we have maintained, Fox News, along with every single news organization across the country, vigorously covered the breaking news surrounding the unprecedented 2020 election, (laughs) providing full context of every story with in-depth reporting and clear-cut analysis. (laughs) We remain committed to to defending against this baseless lawsuit and its all-out assault on the (laughs) First Amendment. Fox News had sought to have the lawsuit dismissed 
arguing that its coverage is protected by the First Amendment and that a free press must be able to report both sides of a story involving claims that strike at the core of democracy. You know, they want the right to have one side of the story which is based on lies, subterfuge, and propaganda, and the other side is the truth. brings us this final offering here in the Bistro Cafe of West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission voted unanimously yesterday, Thursday, to begin work on a rule that would prohibit scam artists from impersonating government agencies or well-known companies in order to bilk Americans. The four commissioners, two Democrats and two Republicans, voted to approve an advance notice of proposed rulemaking to ban this kind of impersonation. Impersonation fraud in general has skyrocketed during the pandemic, with impersonation fraudsters scamming Americans out of around $2 billion between October of last year and September of this year, an 85% increase year over year, FTC Chair Lena Khan said at the meeting. Scam artists who impersonate government agencies have sometimes threatened their victims with a loss of benefits or even arrest, said the FTC, which identified the frauds as the largest source of total reported consumer financial losses. The rulemaking was prompted by a Supreme Court ruling that made it more difficult for the agency to recover money from victims of scams. The court said in April that the agency had overstepped its authority in its practice of seeking court orders to make fraudsters return money improperly obtained from consumers in the form of restitution or disgorgement. Well, that brings us to our break. Why don't we disgorge ourselves to this break? And when we get back from that break, we will go through weather from around the world. And we will finish up with the stories that we've curated for you today. You are listening to West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy. And we will be right back. You are listening to NetworksRadio.com. Please hang up and try again. From a point at sea to the circles of your mind, a new force is at work for planetary transformation. New radio for a new earth. This is Take Two Movie Review. I'm Clinton Johnston. This week, 
a care package. If you're the type of person who doesn't get musicals, I probably have to tell you who Jonathan Larson was. Jonathan Larson wrote Rent, wrote the cultural event that swirled around art millennials and AIDS that exploded in the 1990s. And because the universe does not care about us, Larson died of a cardiac malfunction before he even saw his show open. Now before Rent, Larson wrote and performed a monologue with songs with just him, a piano, and a band, dealing with his anxiety about turning 30 before having achieved any professional success. He called it Tick Tick Boom. So after Rent, in mourning for the man who seemed to have been poised to become the future of musical theater, people reworked Tick Tick Boom into a three-person, three-act show, and what we have now is Lin-Manuel Miranda, musical theater's new savior, making his directorial debut with his film adaptation. So, three things about Miranda's Tick Tick Boom. One, Miranda hits it out of the park. He understands that even though movies bathe in realism, movie musicals can't because musicals themselves aren't realistic. So from Jump, Miranda shows us from the editing style to moments of visual magic that we're watching a filmic construction. And speaking of editing, Tick Tick Boom has two great editors, Andrew Weissbloom, until he had to go back to work with Darren Aronofsky, and Myron Kirstein, who edited In the Heights. And Miranda himself said that his skills as a composer, knowing tension and release, feeling when to slow down and when to move along, helped prepare him to work with those two. Three... Andrew Garfield holds the center of this film with a stunningly expressive performance. I mean, he sells the songs, sells them as top shelf goods. You're drawn to his John Larson. You root for his John Larson. You love his John Larson. Tick Tick Boom benefits from the collection of the right people. Miranda cares about Broadway, cares about musical theater, cares about Jonathan Larson, and thus helps us care about his story. This has been Take Two Movie Review. I'm Clinton Johnston. Catch up with us at TakeTwoMovieReview.com and feed us back on our channel on YouTube. This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. As fall turns to winter, the flu season will be upon us in force. The best way to avoid influenza is to get immunized. Everyone six months and older should be vaccinated. Those at increased risk for flu complications include children under the age of five and adults 65 and older, people with chronic health problems such as heart disease, asthma, and diabetes, and pregnant women. To get your annual flu vaccine, see your health care provider or go to a pharmacy, grocery store, or clinic in your area. If you get influenza, talk with your health care provider right away about antiviral medication. Thank you for joining us on A Minute of Health with CDC. For the most accurate health information, visit www.cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. One in six Americans get sick from eating contaminated food each year. Contamination caused by salmonella is especially common. It's sometimes found in poultry, eggs, ground beef, pork, and even peanut butter. To reduce your risk from this and other foodborne germs, remember to clean, separate, cook, and chill. Clean your hands with soap and water. Separate raw meat, poultry, and seafood from other foods. Wash counters, cutting boards, and utensils before and after using them. Cook all food thoroughly and use a food thermometer to make sure food is cooked. Promptly chill meat, poultry, eggs, and other perishables. Finally, don't prepare food for others if you're sick, and be extra careful when you prepare food for children, pregnant women, the elderly, or people in poor health. To learn more about making food safer to eat, visit www.cdc.gov slash vitalsigns.
Hi, I'm Tom Harbin, and since you're listening to NetRootsRadio.com, show your progressive side and go to the Donate button on the bottom of the homepage. It's progressives like you who power NetRoots Radio and keep the progressive message beaming everywhere 24 hours a day. Just go to our Donate button at the bottom of NetRootsRadio.com. Thank you for keeping progressive radio at full power. Here's a twist on Christmas that would make Jesus weep. First, a right-wing faction in the U.S. has been wringing its hands over a hokey cultural crisis cooked up by the faction itself, namely that liberals, atheists, humanists, and, God forbid, Marxists are waging a war on Christmas. The infidels are not accused of lobbing bombs in this war, but words of mass destruction. Specifically, the right-wing purists wail that unholy lefties are perverting the season by saying Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Second, some ultra-conservative members of this same faction have launched their own war against Jesus. How twisted is this? They say no one should mess with the word Christmas, yet they're messing with the guy Christmas is supposed to be about. Okay, technically, they're not going directly at Jesus, but at a key part of his message and, in particular, at a key messenger of Christianity, Pope Francis. They've decided that the Pope is a Marxist, pointing out that Francis speaks often about the, quote, structural causes of poverty, the idolatry of money, and the new tyranny of unfettered capitalism. Obviously, say the pontiff's pious critics, that's commie talk. The clincher for them was when Francis wrote an official papal document in which he asked in outrage, how can it be that it is not a news item when an elderly homeless person dies of exposure, but it is news when the stock market loses two points? See, cried the carpers, that's proof that Francis is the Red Pope. But wait, that was a very good question, he asked, one ripe with a moral wrath that Jesus himself frequently showed toward the callous rich and their love of money. Indeed, the Pope's words ring with deep ethics you find in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Was he a commie too? This is Jim Hightower saying, Could it be that the Carpers are actually the ones lacking in real Christmas spirit? If you'd like more of Jim Hightower's real populism, check out the Hightower Lowdown. Jim's monthly newsletter gives you the real lowdown on which corporations, by name, are doing what to the middle class, our environment, and our democracy. Each month, the Hightower Lowdown brings you facts you didn't know along with actions you can take to fight back. It also comes with a sense of humor. Hightower believes we can fight the gods and still have fun. Plus, get this, it's cheap. Only $15 brings you 12 issues a year. For real populism, go to HightowerLowdown.org. Welcome to 60 Second Civics, the daily podcast of the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. Joint stock companies and royal proprietorships were Britain's tools for settling North America. Elizabeth I was hesitant to use state funding to establish colonies in America. A less risky way, as far as the crown was concerned, was to authorize joint stock companies. These were companies that wealthy individuals could buy shares in. The risk was therefore spread out among many people. The Virginia Company was one such joint stock company. King James I granted the Virginia Company a charter to make habitation, plantation, and to deduce a colony of sundry of our people into that part of America commonly called Virginia. The Virginia Company established the Jamestown Colony in Virginia in 1607. At first, the more than a hundred British colonists searched for gold. They didn't find any. 
Instead, they encountered incredible hardship. The colonists battled malaria, disease, hunger, and cold winters. Many of them died. They occasionally fought with Native Americans of the Powhatan Confederacy, but also relied on them for food. The Virginia Company ultimately lost money and its charter. After this, Virginia became a British royal colony, the first in what would someday become the United States. That's all for today's podcast, 60 Second Civics, where civic education only takes a minute. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. This day in labor history, the year was 1944. That was the day that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt rescinded Executive Order 9066. It had forcibly relocated over 120,000 Japanese Americans into internment camps. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the government considered Japanese Americans a national security threat. By 1942, many were given less than a week's notice to sell and store all property. Whole families were rounded up and taken away to desolate areas in the west and southwest of the United States. Up to this point, many Japanese Americans in California were employed in the agricultural industry, some as tenant farmers. They were responsible for 40% of all produce grown in that state, whose crops were valued at $40 million annually. Over 6,000 farms, consisting of 200,000 acres, were confiscated. Once in turn, they were subjected to dire living conditions with little in the way of running water, sanitary facilities, or medical care. They were subject to forced labor in the construction of camp buildings and cultivation of near-barren lands. The government hoped to make the camps self-sufficient. In Poston, Arizona, they were made to build the infrastructure for Colorado River Tribes Reservation in order to consolidate other tribes onto the land. When Japanese Americans were finally released, most found their stored belongings stolen and their homes, jobs, and farms confiscated and redistributed. After the war, they continued to face violence, job and housing shortages, and racial discrimination. Ronald Reagan would sign the Civil Liberties Act in 1988. It acknowledged that internment was based on, quote, race prejudice, war hysteria, and a failure of political leadership. The act served as a formal apology and sought to distribute billions in reparations. Thank you for accompanying us here to the chef's table at West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy Blue Moon Spirits Fridays. We always begin weather from around the world along the banks of the Rogue River and the Rogue River Valley of Southern Oregon on the west coast of the continental United States of America, where it is currently 37 degrees Fahrenheit, considerable cloudiness, winds will be light and variable, lows overnight in the low 30s, winds light and variable, with highs tomorrow, oh, highs today will be in the low 40s, highs tomorrow in the mid 40s, and it looks like we won't be having any rain. Though we did have some this morning, 
and it looks like we might have a little bit, but nothing uh, measurable until Sunday, and then it will be dropping precipitously. The air quality index uh, for the Rogue River region is good at 22 parts per million. Daytime UV index is low at level one, and we're going to forego the other particulars for the local forecast the coronavirus infections have not been updated i don't think they're doing them daily anymore i'm gonna have to look into that but weather from around the world is brought to you by a crowd of crowdsourced weather stations that are crowd crowdsources from around the world london is 47 and cloudy paris is 48 and fair rome is 56 and sunny Kiev is 35 and mostly cloudy. Kabul is 26 and clear. Hong Kong is 61 and partly cloudy. Tokyo is 41 degrees and fair. Sydney, Australia is 70 and clear. San Francisco, California is 42 degrees and sunny. And New York, New York is 57 degrees Fahrenheit and sunny. And that is weather from around the world, brought to you by a crowd of crowdsourced weather stations that a crowd crowdsources from around the world. Associated Press brings us this first amuse-bouche here at the Chef's Table at West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy, Blue Moon Spirits Fridays. Some former vaccine skeptics in Eastern Europe have shifted over to the other side. As coronavirus infections surge, countries are making it more difficult for the unvaccinated to travel abroad, and authorities battle against government distrust and vaccine disinformation. When she rolled up her sleeve in the Bosnian capital of Sarajevo to take her first COVID-19 vaccine dose, Fada Keko was afraid of possible adverse side effects. But she said the worst she had to contend with over the next few days was moderately discomforting pain in her left arm around the site of the infection. More significantly, the 52-year-old self-employed cleaning woman has joined the global community of vaccine believers after months of being very susceptible to what she now describes as the most ridiculous theories. She told the AP that some of those she had heard were that the coronavirus does not exist, that journalists were paid to spread panic, that planes were spraying us with viruses at night, that vaccines were being used by the powers that be to implant us with tracking microchips. Now, I feel relief, she said. She is not alone. In her transformation, especially after numerous European countries started tightening their antivirus rules, including by requiring proof of vaccination from foreign visitors. This week, health authorities in Sarajevo stepped up their efforts to administer COVID-19 vaccines as widely as possible, stymied so far by public mistrust and an onslaught of disinformation. They started dispatching nurses to dispense vaccines in local council offices and shopping centers around the city in hopes that easy access 
will persuade more people to get their shots. And the statistics are clear. People are now getting their shots. Je te donne mon amour pour la vie entière. La promesse de me trouver à tes genoux. Aussitôt que tu m'appelles, rester toujours fidèle, c'est tout, c'est tout. Je te donne tous mes printemps, mes étés de mer. Mais autant quand les feuilles tombent partout. Si ce n'est pas une bonne affaire, je te donne tous mes hivers. Anonymous staff at the Associated Press brings us this final amuse bouche here at the chef's table at West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy. The seats in Germany's parliament will have to be rearranged after after lawmakers backed the wish of one party in the new coalition government not to sit next to the far-right alternative for Germany. The seats in Germany's lower house, or Bundestag, are arranged in a semicircle, with the left party at one end and alternative for Germany, or AFD, at the other. AFD first won seats in 2017. Before then, the pro-business free Democrats had had occupied that edge of the semicircle when they were represented in parliament. The Free Democrats, who along with the left or center-left social democrats of Chancellor Olaf Scholz and the environmentalist Greens are part of the new government that took office last week, said earlier this year they did not want to sit next to AFD's lawmakers anymore. The Bundestag Bundestag backed a motion under which the Free Democrats will swap places with the center-right union bloc of former Chancellor Merkel, which is now in opposition. The three governing parties and the left party, the smallest of the three opposition parties, backed the change. The Free Democrats will now sit next to the Greens, one of their governing partners. Well, good. And that brings us to the end of our broadcast period for the day and the week. But you do know Netroots Radio broadcasts on, and we will meet up on Monday for River City Hash Monday. So do stay tuned to Netroots Radio all day and all night for all the breaking news as it breaks. And we'll meet up here on Monday, right here in West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy. Je voudrais du soleil vert, des dentelles et des théères, des photos de bord de mer, de manger d'hiver. Je voudrais de la lumière, comme en Nouvelle-Angleterre. Je veux changer d'atmosphère, de manger d'hiver. Oh, 
Google Play Store. 